Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. Yes, I have returned, and I'm so grateful for the privilege of being able to have um, prayerfully gone into Brazil and to have seen over the course of just a few days wonderful miracle after miracle and um, to their in return safely and in the power of the Spirit to be again with you. So I want to thank all of you for praying and standing in agreement and investing yourself into the work that the Lord has given us. For those of you who have uh, tuned into this broadcast and you don't know anything about who this is that's speaking, even though you found it either on Spotify or on our website, my name is Ron Crawford. I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, and I am a part of an international group of people who we have collectively called the Saints Network. Saints, not as a euphemism for just being a Christian. Saints, not as a typification of a Catholic beatification. Maybe these folks are up in heaven and um, they're looking down on you. We're not advocating that and we're not saying that. Saints, not... um, to be associated with the Latter-day people. But saints, according to the definition of the word uh, in Scripture, those people who want to partner with God to arise out of mediocrity or out of the status quo or definitely out of the general church, within the general church but out of it, to come into alignment with God, to see a partnership with him, to accomplish something that he wants to do in this day that he ordained from the foundation of the world. That's the essence of holiness. It's not as when I was growing up, you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't run with those who do, you keep your hair for men short and women's hair long, um... You uh, men can wear shorts, but women can't. You can't do anything on a Sunday other than go to church and come back home while somehow mom and grandma labor over a hot stove making a meal for everybody. But that's kind of like your ox being in the ditch, I guess. That's, that's That's what we would associate that with. No, no, it's not that kind of holiness. We want to see God move in the way that he moves. We want to partner with him in welcoming that to happen. And that's why the Apostle Paul, in his greetings and other other writers of the New Testament, their greetings to the churches would list out those who believe in Jesus, those who love the Lord. Then they'd toss in and the saints. They would also talk about the spiritual ones, the pneumaticos people, the prophets who are among you. Somehow, the church's desire to fit in and be respectable eliminated all those terms. And as I like to say, and I see Tammy smiling now, you throw it into the Vitamix blender and mix it all up into some Holy Ghost goulash, where you don't know what any word means. You just make definitions up, whatever suits your fancy when you're reading the scripture. Whatever the common songs are written, which are ripe with uh, inaccurate applications of what the words really mean. And you form the basis of what your doctrines are on what you've heard recently taught preached, preached, what you've seen on the internet, or what old grandma so-and-so said. You didn't care too much about what she said any other way, but when it comes handy in denying what the Spirit wants, you say, well, I wasn't raised that way. 
while at the same time you're not doing what she really raised you to do in a positive way. That pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? So that's who we are, Saints Network. We want to partner with God as intercessors to become sons who obey what he says to do, always teaching and preaching the scripture to know that as our foundation. And anything that happens among us, we want to see it in the word. Not from a, well, I don't see it in the Word. He's not teaching the Scripture kind of nonsense. But God's Spirit will guide us into truth. The living Word wants to speak today. We as saints believe that and rely on it, don't we? So, before we get into the Scripture today, I, uh, I want to give you just a couple of testimonies. One is something that uh, I received uh, as uh, part of the first Saturday uh, words. And uh, Nancy, our wonderful tactician of collecting these words, forwarded this to Monica and myself, and it came from France. Uh, without going into too many great details here, there there was there's a family, uh, the Cherinis, who have been part of our Saints Network family for many, many, many years, and um, they have two children. One is a beautiful daughter named Jamima, who is just precious. She she comes to our seminars. I don't know how she comes to our seminars when there aren't any other kids around. But somehow she does it. And she plays the violin during the worship times, and she's there. She's learning. She's an excellent student. We love her. But little Gabriel, her brother, um, he's grown into a, a young man, and he's been uh, in Montreal, Montreal, Canada, for a few years playing basketball, of all things. Yes, the Canadians do play basketball. They love ice hockey. That's their god. But basketball is also acceptable. And so word came that on this first Saturday, he, he was, uh, he's been gathering people to pray. <laughs> and uh, Rebecca, his mama, has been sending Saints Network books and materials. And he's, uh, he's been at all these seminars. I've seen this kid grow from a little squirt to somebody that, towers over me and I, I sweet spirited kid and I, I love him but it just does my heart good that somehow he tolerated all these prayer times and tolerated being amongst all these adults but yet being cherished as a little one and then somehow moves into a nation to the north of us that has been barreling down the road towards socialism and progressivism for a long time just look at their prime minister. And somehow in the midst of all of this, in that beautiful city of Montreal, these young people are praying. We need to, we need to pray for them. That, that was a surprise. Surprise, surprise, surprise. That, that was a gift. I, I'm so grateful and proud of him. Um... I, I admit, and I told their family, boy, we're, we're really praying for Gabriel because he's going several thousand miles away into this environment and in a sports environment with young people who very many of them have been brought up, uh, brainwashed with the nonsense of the left. We got to pray for him. So I'm just very grateful to hear of this amazing testimony and we need to just really bathe that in prayer that this young man would be galvanized by the spirit of the lord and that um, those that are around him would be strong and that they would move in the power of the word and the spirit and that they would not be taken out so that's a good testimony and really I didn't even mention Brazil yet, but I'm grateful. And I know that's an encouragement to all of our 
family in France and in Belgium and in Switzerland and in Luxembourg. And even in West Africa, the French-speaking peoples. Um, ah, this is a first fruits. I, we hope that another one of those young ladies that grew up into a 20, young 20s young lady who's supposed to be at our seminar here in March. These are, this is a harvest. And it just blesses my spirit, blesses my soul. I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. So, be encouraged, saints. The Elishas are here. I was just among dozens and dozens of Elishas down in uh, beautiful country of Brazil. And uh, I want to make a couple of announcements and maybe some testimonies before we get into the word. I want to talk a little bit about something that I taught that some of you may have seen on YouTube um, what I taught on Sunday night. But let me just give you, so many of you were praying, and so I want to bring testimony back. I want to give thanks to encourage you and to mutually give thanks to the Lord because if we don't give thanks, we don't properly secure the victory. As Jesus said, where are the nine? So we give thanks to him. And I think you need to not only hear me give thanks, but you who have prayed and believed and sown yourself into this, you need to give thanks. I give thanks for these testimonies from France. Really, those are our allies. Those are our long, long-standing friends and family who, who have labored together alongside us and in our hearts. I give thanks for these testimonies and for what's coming. <clears throat> but first and foremost, I want to thank God for a safe trip. And I was joking as I was in the airport late on Monday night in, in uh, Sao Paulo that I stood there. I, hadn't got, I did not get sick. Nobody else got COVID or sick. Nobody fell down the escalator. I, I was riding that escalator, Cece, and Yuali was behind me, and he can testify. I was giving thanks and laughing. I kept my bag secure, but I lifted my hands, and um, I didn't get any rash. Nothing bit me, except for the spirit. I got bit by the spirit of love so and safe journeys great weather oh my goodness when uh, Monica and I were down there with Yuwali last time it was like an oven this time ah it was so nice <laughs> so it was good but but those things don't compare to what the spirit did now, first of all I want to say that we're still negotiating, or Felipe is, with um, the, the theater selection. Be in prayer today, because uh, after looking at multiple places, uh, it looks like the Lord is directing us back to the San Francisco Theater, which is fine. We're going to make some amendations and some adjustments to how the facility is used, but we'll see that place through the power of the Spirit and the Spirit drawing people in. We'll see it packed to overflowing. And um, that, will, that will then open the door for what the Lord wants to do through the rest of the year and in the years come, coming. Um, so pray today as Felipe talks to our dear friend Douglas, who many of you met at that theater, um, and we hope to have a, a deal done with dates secure by hopefully the next couple of days. And as soon as I know, we'll let you know. But be in prayer. 
We thought we were going to another place, even went over there. We thought we had a uh, a tacit agreement. When we got over there, it was a place that was about a third larger, and it was really a beautiful facility, but the guy started baiting and switching. It was almost like a car dealer. The only thing he didn't go was say, he didn't do, uh, oh, let me go talk to my manager. You know what happens next. He didn't, goes out to the coffee machine gets a few slurps and then he comes back in well he doesn't want to do it but he said he'll do this if you pay this much more it was kind of that kind of thing and we just thought okay no this isn't the place tmi i know but be in prayer today and tomorrow because we hope to have a decision so that we can then put this forward uh, so many things uh, happened. I was able to meet with uh, three of the pastors and together, and we formed somewhat of a uh, a working committee where they will take responsibility for different facets of this theater outreach. And I'm very grateful for that. I'm excited about the passion that's within these these uh, these leaders. And um, very much looking forward to seeing God develop uh, that aspect of what we need to do going forward. Wonderful services. I, I think we, I was busy. And I give thanks for Yawali, too. Uh, he's, he's such a blessing. A true son in the faith. And one of the young men from this house, um, living in Mexico City, but I give thanks to you, brother. Uh, we were busy from the moment we got there. <clears throat> I mean, back to back to back, every day, until late at night. I think a couple of times I finally got back to the room and my head hit the pillow at like one thirty in the morning, 2 in the morning, and then up early again to go. That's fine. <clears throat> I don't mind that as long as it's in the work of the kingdom. So, <clears throat> we're, we're grateful. Um, we had a first Saturday prayer time at Pastor Felipe and Valesca's church. God's Spirit came. We submitted that word to the first Saturday report. We look forward to that being a first fruits of many to come from different places. It's powerful when people around the world pray. We're thankful for the groups that are being formed. Some of you have been asked to be a part of them. If you haven't, it's not because you're not loved. We just have a limited number of slots, and they will be changing up every couple of months, and you know, different people will be brought in. But I'm grateful for the uh, international prayer that's being offered for each of these churches. Grateful for that, too. I could feel that that effectiveness and power. We were able to be at uh, Luciano's church, Luciano and Anna, and go over to their new facility, which is just down the street. It's about twice as big. And to <clears throat> go through there, he got the keys the day before we went. God provided the, the down payment of uh, the next several months of rent. Um, we sprinkled the blood and welcomed the spirit in that location. Very exciting. Um, went down to visit Esso's church, met with him and his wife, prayed with them, spent time on our face before the Lord there, tried to encourage them. And just so you know, they're great people. They're doing well, both of them have wonderful businesses. She, he owns a company. She is an architect working full-time, so they're not living on red beans and rice. So I think sometimes we think street ministry and we think they're destitute out there with a can on the corner. That's not happening. But be praying for them, that God will draw them closer to him and that he will guide them. Because you can only imagine the spiritual activity that they face day by day down there and then we went to pastor rafa's church he and 
Talitha. What a, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. How the Spirit moved. How God has joined us together with all of these churches and particularly this one. Um, they're well-structured and passionate for the Spirit. and We've arranged for their ministry team of young people to be our ministry team there during the theater times. Uh, we made arrangements for some further teaching opportunities for them in the near future. There's a hunger for them to start a school. In fact, they're going to be developing an Instagram uh, outpost for the Saints Network for Brazil just to keep uh, keep the people that God would direct uh, to keep them uh, with an open place to see who we are and what what God is doing. I'm, I'm just grateful, very, very grateful. And the way the Spirit moves through them is, is wonderful, but he's moving through all these churches. And that's the one thing I think we all should pray for because they're getting to know one another and working together. We need to pray for the esprit de corps, the, the spirit of unity and agreement that there would be no jealousy or competition. We really need to pray that because this is what the enemy would love to destroy. Uh, it uses a weapon to destroy. That it's, it's difficult to, to go into a church to sense what the Spirit is saying there, to talk about the pastors at that place and to talk about what God's doing through those people and then go into another place and not give a generic canned response, but to talk about what God's doing there. In every one of these instances, it's different. And uh, I know that the enemy would try to say, well, why isn't he doing this in me? Tell me if you've heard that before. How come he gets to do it and I don't? How come they have a microphone and I don't? How come they can sing and I'm not being asked to? You see that in every church. And it shouldn't be that way because every part supplies. Jealousy is, is in a carnal way, is the work of Satan. And Jesus says, what is that to thee? To Peter about John the Beloved. But we do need to pray about it. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to pray about it. So it's difficult. And I try to tell them, look, this is, this is just simply me or Monica or any of the ministers that go out and speak trying to say what you see. And if God's doing something in this place, those people need to hear that and they need to be exhorted. And if he's not doing that same thing in this other church, those people don't need to get the boo-boo face and complain to God or get jealous or reject us. You see what I'm saying? And um, so we need to pray about that. But what God's doing at, among all these young people at Rafa's church is just amazing. And the way God is bonding all of these churches to the network and the calling of being saints is just miraculous. So we need to keep praying that, that uh, the, the word that's being sown, the enemy will not swoop in and steal the seed. Even though as a bird, though, that has its other benefits. I won't go there. But we need to pray that they don't just come because they like what they see. It's exciting. Oh, there's all these people and, oh, I want to be part of it. And, but they have no root. That's probably the biggest thing that it attacks us because we are a ministry of the Spirit. We love the Father and we want to be like Jesus, but it's the power of the Spirit. And people get all goofy about that. 
And I understand that. It's appealing. There, John Peel Patrick said there's nothing as appealing as the anointing. But then when we say, you got to pray. Oh, I don't know about that. Or you got to pray and then you got to interpret. Oh, that's just too hard. That's work. Or you got to study the scripture. Oh, I'm just not made for study. You try telling that to the Lord when you stand before the throne. This word that's alive, I'm just too, I'm just dumb enough not to be able to understand it. Well, how in the world are you going to make it through? You think they've got a dummy, uh, uh, a throne for dummy section in heaven? <laughs> you try telling the Lord that you're too dumb to understand his word. Yeah, let's see how quick that goes. You can say it here and people, other dummies say, yep, 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 I know, I just don't understand it. I like the old time of gospel where it was just simple. <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you, I search after the deep things of the word when the spirit guides me. And in every one of those, there's an excitement, there's an anticipation, but I readily admit that I have never seen this before. And I have to diligently go after it. I, I do that, first of all, because I want to learn. Secondly, I don't ever want to say anything to you that I'm just wishing and hoping is right. I mean, it's like those days when I wanted was thinking that I was going to be an attorney. You don't represent a client, go into the court, and get embarrassed by the opposition opponent, uh, the the opposed the opposing attorney, then you've just egg on your face and you've let down your client. What we do is spiritual. This stuff is going to be taught over and over again throughout the world. So we've got to make sure we get it right. But it's, it's like what Peter said of Paul. The words that Paul teaches, some of them are hard to understand, but they're of God. Get everything you can of the word and so it's great to see that passion and it's great to um, to see what God is doing and we do give him thanks um, so once we have the finalization of the theater dates and what we're going to do I'll let you know. We have our seminar here coming up in about a month. So our attentions have always been upon that, but we're focusing now on what's ahead. And so we're, uh, see, that's what the angels said many years ago. You got to be thinking in at least four to, in at least four ways at a time. You got to, You've got to be able to manage through the power of the Spirit as good stewards of the mysteries and the families that God is giving. Around the world, you've got to be always wanting to hear from the Spirit and doing what he's asking us to do. This is our responsibility, folks. You do realize that. This is your responsibility, <coughs> excuse me, and mine. And it's exciting. Yeah, oh, Pastor, don't you get tired? Don't you get tired, Pastor? You know, sometimes when the service peaks past noon, my old bones just to get a creaking and my tummy's hungry, and I, got, I just got to go take me a nap. Aren't you tired, Pastor? <laughs> oh man you know there's something about when you know you're doing the work of the Lord always abounding in the work of the ministry you can you can either let your body dictate what you do you can let your mind convince you of what to do or you can tell both of them to submit themselves to what the Spirit of God within you is telling you to do. And when you do that, you, 
yes, you can you can get tired, but you never run out of steam. You never run out of strength. You don't. So yeah, I got tired, but you couldn't tell it because we have a work to do. It's like a fire shut up in our bones. And that means you too. Live as long as you're alive. Don't die before your time. Keep moving in the power of the Spirit and refuse to allow anything that would stand in opposition to what God has called you to do from taking control of your life. Amen? So, I got back into the airport yesterday at 6.10, went home, threw my clothes in the washer, uh, fixed myself up a little bit, and came in here. Was I tired? Yeah. I'm not. This is your work, too. I'm not just telling you, oh, look what pastor's doing. This is you, too. You're doing it. We keep moving because the night comes when no one can work. You know, I was having a discussion over the past couple of days with one of the pastors down there about um, the principle of the sila, which is unknown down there. And we were talking about how that it's the word that has to be established. It's, it's the word, the promise, the understanding that has to be framed. You know, everywhere Jesus went, he went about teaching, preaching and healing, teaching. Samuel established teachers, even though he was, he was a prophet. They needed a teaching priest. And... The word is essential. And that's the first slot of the, uh, the seal of principle. But then there's the walk of that middle ground between the mountains of promise and fulfillment. And this is where God walks with you and his presence is with you. And he guides you, he leads you, he teaches you. Now that you said well, the word was first. Yeah, but if you want to be like so many denominations and say, pop your fingers in your in your uh, suspenders and say, we don't need no teaching. We just need it like the old timey gospel. Uh, I don't need to be taught no newfangled thing from the word. Uh, it's always been it was good for mama and papa and it's good enough for me. Yeah, you become that white and sepulcher. We've got all the gospel. We don't need any new thing. We can't control it, so we don't want it. It's not scriptural if we can't control it. Heard that before? I have. So, once you build off of obedience and experience in the word, then God will start leading you and meeting with you fulfilling that promise, fulfilling the word, showing you more things about the word, instructing you, building you up, walking you through the valley of challenge where the enemy doesn't want you going forward. And then by and by, there's an old-timey phrase, so I guess that must legitimize this teaching, we come into fulfillment, which is his power. So you have his knowledge, his presence, and his power. How true is that? In the book of Acts, Acts 13, the teachers and the prophets, and, and again, that's a miracle for both of them to be functioning and functioning together. The teachers and the prophets came together. And then they ministered to the Lord and fasted. We don't know how many days they did that. That's his presence. It's waiting on him. And then the Holy Spirit said, 
separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the apostolic work, the new horizon that I give to them. There you have it. The teaching, the word, understanding what God has said. And then you wait on the Lord. You pray it through. And then the apostolic fulfillment goes forward. Philip the evangelist. An angel tells him, go down into the desert on the way to Gaza. Boy, isn't that an appropriate time? Spirit needs to be doing things there. I'm sure he is. Philip goes down there and what's he see? A chariot coming by. And here's an Ethiopian eunuch of great power representing Candace, the queen. He's reading the book of Isaiah, of all things. The scroll. Woo! What did Philip say? Understandest what thou readest? Because they all spoke in King James English, you know. How can I unless somebody teach me? So there's teaching there. They come near water. Philip says you need to be baptized. He commits himself fully to the Spirit. He's communing with the Spirit there. The presence of God, I'm sure, was moving then. Then what happens? The Spirit catches Philip away, power, and sets him down in another place of power. Same pattern. But what did Philip answer? The guy's reading the scripture. Did Philip say, Oh, I don't really understand that either, but have you heard this latest sermon from this dude down the street here? Oh, hey, let's go down to a, a miracle meeting. Oh, nothing, no, nothing really objectively wrong with that, but or objectively wrong with that, but you better know your stuff, not just what some Yahoo said about it. You better be able to, what meaneth this? So the teaching comes first, the presence comes the acceptance of presence. Jacob, what, he got messed up because he said, the Lord was in this place. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. He missed God. He missed the presence because he wasn't functioning in the knowledge of God. But that knowledge has to be fungible, malleable. It has to be submissive. And it can, it, can, uh, it can become hardened if you don't keep yourself seeking after God, the oil of the Spirit. I told you from the pulpit recently that I was listening to some old tunes on Spotify. I listened to a Keith Green song that I hadn't really remembered, maybe because... It didn't really apply to me back then in the days where I thought we had all the gospel. And I was just trying to build a youth group so that I could fulfill the path of many preachers that I trained with and still move today in that way. So that if I got a big enough youth group, then I could move on to something brighter. But he sang this song and he said, My eyes are dry, my faith is cold. No, my eyes are dry, my faith is old. Ah, oh, I don't want to be that way. I let, let, let this heart of mine receive a fresh softening of the presence of God, the oil of his spirit. We, we always, no matter how much we know, have to be there or we will calcify like the white and sepulchers who, who have a form of godliness, godliness but deny the power thereof. So anyway, on Sunday night, the Spirit did some weird stuff in me. And... Um, I thought I had a sermon for that night. And when I got 
to the facility, I told Yowali on the drive over that I was really uncertain about this message. That happens a lot. Well, why didn't you hear from God? I almost did my Jimmy Stewart. Well, Pastor, why didn't you hear from God before? God just does that, and I don't mind him doing that because what I studied and what I learned may have been for me. It may be for some time down the road, and he'll say, okay, now it's time for this message. But I think first and foremost, it's to see whether I'll obey him, whether I'll be vulnerable. It's like when we used to try to go into prophetic worship and our instrumentalists, who we loved, if they hadn't practiced it 50 times, it was like a cow staring at a new gate. You started singing, and oh, they weren't going to try to launch out. I think God keeps us flexible. So I went up there and hugged the pastor. And he said, do you have the scripture and your title so that we can send it down to the tech crew? And I said, no, I don't. I don't have a message. And he just looked at me, but he trusts me. I said, the spirit said to come and lay down what I was trying to do, what I thought was supposed to be for tonight. And he'll tell me what to do. So I went over in the corner and God directed me to 1 Corinthians 2. And it really did describe what had happened to me on behalf of this church and found out later that it was what had happened to this pastor as well, almost exactly. 1 Corinthians 2 I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came unto you in weakness, with much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith, your place at the right hand, should not stand in any way in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I turned and said, that's my scripture. I knew about the trembling and the, not fear, the fear of the Lord, because I had felt that. I found out later from the pastor and from his wife that when they agreed for me to come on those two nights, that he said he was afraid, which is weird if you know this pastor. But I felt the same thing. So, in the next five minutes, I looked out through the big panes of glass up in that meeting area down into the sanctuary where the worship was already going on, and I knew that in just a couple minutes I was going to go down there and very soon after, I was going to have to be up there to all these Elishas and any whoever else was watching on YouTube and deliver something from the Lord. Oh, Pastor, I could never do that. Don't say it. Don't say it. What did Jesus say? Sometimes you're going to be asked to give a witness of the things you believe. And he says, I'm paraphrasing now, don't worry about what you're going to say. You open your mouth and the Spirit will fill it. Now that's not what you do every time. You should study to show yourself approved, and I have no problem at all. I admire the fastidious nature of our teachers who prepare diligently. We must have that, and I appreciate that and I benefit from it. But don't let any of us say that, God, you better not ask me to do something on the fly. So anyway, in the next couple minutes, what did I do? What did you do, Pastor? How did you, you hear from God? Well, I stood there at that window by myself looking down into the lower level of the facility where they were worshiping, and I just began to pray in the Spirit. This is one of the benefits to praying in the Spirit because you can pray with the Spirit and be studying the Word at the same time. You do realize that, don't you? Because your mind is unfruitful. 
So I started praying in the Spirit, and I start using. I'm so glad I invested a cup of coffee into buying the olive tree program. I'm so glad I did that because I had it right there, right there in my phone. So I started going word by word quickly through these these mighty spirit-inspired inerrant words. And pretty soon, through the study of each of these words, it was right there. Oh, I couldn't do it that fast. Why not? Why couldn't you do it that fast? Remember when you first got your phone and the idea of texting on the phone? You were like, okay, now what do I click or what do I do? Oh, you didn't lay it down and say, oh, I just can't do that. No, you had grandkids waiting for a text. So you learn how to do it, and some of you can do it without even looking. You know, there you are. You need to know the tools that God has given you. And you need to know how to get into the Scripture, how to just do a cursory examination of words. You should be able to do that. How do you do it? By doing it every day. That's how. It becomes rote to you. But then the Spirit moves upon what you have done in your studies alone, and he comes upon that. So I went down there and I confessed. I just was open with the people. I'm nothing. I'm here as a messenger. This is God's timing. And if he doesn't come through here, we're not, we're not going to do anything. And then I told them that I had been, I knew that God wanted me there. I'd been there before, spoken many times there, and enjoyed every minute of it. It was important to me what these people thought, because they're supposed to be coming alongside us and respecting what we do. So we've got to to do a good job in representing our Lord. And so to get up there and say, I, I had a message, but I don't have a message now. Kind of stitch you off on the wrong foot. Now, it's different from some of our people who get up and say, well, I don't have anything. I didn't say I didn't have anything. Did you hear me? I said that I had a message, but God redirected me. And I think he wants to see whether we're willing to trust him. And... More often than not, it keeps the enemy off guard. You remember when our presidents in the past, recent past, would get up and say, no, we're going to withdraw troops on this date and we're going to do this. How idiotic is that? That's like a pitcher saying to a batter, okay, I'm going to start you off with a fastball right down the middle. Well, good luck. That guy, if he has any smarts, is going to load up on that thing. And boom, it'll hit the bull in right field, and you'll win a suit. I do not understand this bull in right field. I'll tell you about it later, Luke. So, the essence of it was, I confess that this fear and much trembling, which Paul references on more than this occasion, at times when he'd go into a place, signified something substantial that the Spirit was going to do. And there is a fear of the Lord with that. Yes, you should always have the fear of the Lord. But when God's going to do something that he's releasing fresh, that he's not done before, you might feel that. And it's not fear of crowds. Don't associate it with that. Not the fear of man, but the sense that the Spirit is doing something. And I know the difference between all three of those. The demonstration of the Spirit. That's a key one. So in those few minutes, I did a lightning round study of six lexicons and... Um, I looked online to a couple of 
sites that I also rely upon, people who are scholars, just to do my diligence in making sure that what I was hearing was correct, that I wasn't missing something, and that whatever I was going to say down there in conjunction with the Spirit was right on. But with that then, God showed me things that I'd never seen before, and it was because of his timing and obedience to be there and to make myself vulnerable. And I recognize that this demonstration is not a manifestation. This demonstration, in conjunction with the context of all these other things, was God's Spirit electing to do something by the, by the directive of God's holy purpose and that the verdict of the Spirit was being laid down at that moment. It was almost like a theatron. And that point by point, these things were being established and released legally, and from this point, this was the verdict. That's the demonstration of the Spirit. God was doing a new thing. God was changing them from glory to glory by the edict and the directive of the will of the Father through the power of the Spirit. Why the, why the verdict of the Spirit? Why didn't it say the verdict of the Father? Why didn't it say the verdict of Jesus? Because the Father's will is what we want. We're his sons. We're working with Jesus, our elder brother. He's to be glorified. We're working with him. But it's the power of the Spirit that came on Jesus without measure. Why did Jesus need the Spirit without measure? He was God. It's not by might or by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. So it's the Spirit that is moving among us. God's will in partnership with us, the power of that. And that edict has to be made by the Spirit because the Spirit is what is going to give life. The Spirit is going to raise people from the dead. The Spirit is going to guide us. And so it has to be the edict, the verdict of the Spirit, because this is our operative functionary that we're partnering with. It's the Spirit within us that bears witness with God's Spirit as sons. So that edict of the Spirit has to be in place for the Spirit within to connect and to move forward and to release the ma'ah, the, the waters of life. Hmm, isn't that good? And then the power comes, the dunamis. I think that if we just meditate for a moment, we'll recognize that this is a depiction of what happens when you're changed from glory to glory. Changed. It also shows us why Jesus could go up onto the Mount of Transfiguration at the time of God's choosing and God sends the foundational edicts of his word and forebearers, Elijah, Moses, in the presence of the Almighty God. And there Jesus was transfigured, changed, so much so that he glowed. Moses goes up on the mountain. God gives the, the word, the edict. He communes with God in his glory. God speaks to him, commissions him, comes down the mountain. His face is glowing. He's become as someone else. And all those pneumata dummies are down there. No, we don't want to look at your face. Cover your face and veil. Put it over there. You just tell us what God says. We don't need to partner. Not a bunch of ninnies. But ninnies surround the church we just got to be careful not to be them so something happened down there and then 
after I preached for just a few minutes, new things. I'm always grateful. I strive to bring fresh things from the Lord. That's what we rely upon, don't we? All of us. Based upon what the Scripture said, what we've learned in the past, it's building blocks forward. We don't have another agenda, but grace and truth that came through Christ. And then when I knew I was done, uh, I called the pastor up to take over because it's his church. He needs to act upon what the Spirit had brought in there. And then I went and stood on the other side and cooled down and stood at the end of their fire tunnel where they had the people prayed for, but I told them, when you do this, the verdict of the Spirit is in in this point of obedience, and you're going to enter from this place, and God's going to change you. There's a lot of other examples of this, folks. Believe me, you want to debate me, we can talk about them. Remember in Zechariah? God's going to do a new thing. Here is Joshua. And God says, take off that old garment. Put a new one on him. Satan's there resisting. This is a brand plucked out of the what? Wait, say it loud enough so your old granny can hear it. Out of the fire. This transformation in God's timing is throughout the Scripture. Isaiah said every garment of the warrior is stained with blood and there's confusion that it's gone through. But remember we studied about that, how then you put that garment down as a, and you offer it as a sacrifice and God puts a new garment on. A... Uh, a, a restoring of this process came when the prodigal came back and he said, I've sinned before heaven and before you. I've wasted myself. And the father embraced him, brought a ring, new shoes, a new garment, set him forward. The elder brother comes he says, wait a second, I've been laboring here, and what's this I hear, this rejoicing? In some ways, I could identify with that guy, in some ways. But in other ways, it's the, it was the process that the Heavenly Father was declaring that you've got to be changed. You're changed in repentance, but then you need to keep on being changed from glory to glory. Now, that happened down there in Brazil. I stood at the end of the line and watched all of those people come through. I don't know how many there were, but it went. And neither the pastor nor myself stood in the line this time to pray for people. Now, he couldn't help himself. He prayed for a few. There were a couple that at the end of the line, they came and the Lord told me to say something to them or to, or to lay hands on them. But there was only a couple but I watched God change them. And they emerged ready for this new season. But this was a fear and trembling moment. We participated in lots of times where we prayed for people and imparted things. Those are great. And I'm not diminishing them at all. We need to continue to be in that framework. Not getting addicted to it, but in that framework. But from time to time, according to God's calendar, there will be a fear and trembling moment. And you have to recognize that your wisdom, your ability to communicate, means nothing. You stand there vulnerable before the Spirit of the Lord to hear the verdict of the Spirit. 
and then the dunamis function comes. Because our place at the right hand does not stand because of men, but in the function of God. That's the next verse. Aren't you glad that happened? Well, I'm glad it happened for those people. I'm glad it happened for Brazil. I'm glad it happened because my father's purpose was so precious. I'm glad it happened because it showed me again that if I'll just listen to God, he won't let me down. But you've got to be willing to be humble and don't care what people think. You're not there for their applause anyway, or you shouldn't be. And I'm grateful for what I saw. I'm grateful for what it means for us. I'm grateful that somehow this rewards you for your sowing into this country. And it rewards you in faith for what you've prayed for for them. God always honors that. And we're benefiting from this new moment. We'll be changed. And I was thinking about this. I know we're at, we're, you, you didn't hear me on Sunday. Thanks to Fabian and Monica for ministering um, in teachings while I was gone. I value that. But I was thinking about this. And I was remembering the parable of the feast, one of the parables of the feast, and how the ruler of the feast came and said, friend, so he obviously knew this guy, you don't have the proper attire on for here. And this guy was cast out into darkness what does that mean? Well, I don't think we really understand what it all means because it doesn't certainly doesn't fit the pro progressive agenda. And it certainly is another one of those times where we just cannot believe that God would do such a thing. Because if I tried doing that, some of you would get your, your faith in a wad and you'd be thinking, oh, I can't believe he did this. That's just terrible. I think that when God gets ready to do something in a dynamic way, he brings people to the table before him. And you better be willing to be changed. You better be willing to come before that just as I am. And you better be willing to let God take off your old garments, no matter how beautiful they were, no matter how many times you wanted people to see them, to see how wonderful you are, or even more purely, to see what God has done. You've got to be willing to lay that down and be changed and to be outfitted anew. What did it mean for this guy to be cast out? Friend? Don't miss it. Don't be on the outside looking in. You won't be in the light. And when you're not in the light of the Lord, everything else is darkness. Do you know that? Let's be outfitted. Let's be changed. We're transitioned. How many times did God talk to us over the past few years about being transitioned? There's transition coming. We're being transitioned. Transition, transition, tra say that fast. This is it. As forerunners, we were paving the way. And oh my goodness, remember, do you remember? God was digging up things that we needed to resubmit to him. He was cleansing us. He was wanting us to lay things down. The enemy was attacking. You know, I... I what about Elijah? I'm the only one. I'm not any better than my family in the past. And, you know, he's saying those things. He was in the process where God was wanting to be him to be changed. And then he comes to 
the mouth of the cave. And he wraps his mantle around his head. Did you ever think about that? I don't want to be too graphic here, but what was covering the rest of him? <laughs> Isaiah? No, not Isaiah. Elijah, you better make sure you have clean garments on. What if God causes you to wrap his man your mantle around his head? Like my mother used to say, Ronnie, change your underwear. What if you were in an accident? That was that was back in the day. Any kid my age heard that probably. Not my mom telling me, but for your own life. Tammy may have said it to Ryan for all I know. Not still saying it. But maybe back then. He was vulnerable. God wanted to put on him a new thing. And I think this pattern is everywhere. It's not an everyday thing. But when it comes and you sense that fear and trembling from the Lord, you better be ready to lay yourself down all of your accolades, all of your understanding, all the enticing things you learned. And hear the verdict of the Spirit. Not the manifestation. Not the Holy Ghost goosebumps. Not the cool things that the cool kids down the street are experiencing that you read about on Elijah list and tried to show everybody else. But what is the Spirit saying, thus says me now? And you go forward in the strength of that, in the functionality, the power of that. So, thus endeth the lesson. Thank you all. I bless you. And once again, I express my deepest gratitude to all of you for embracing this ministry because it's all of our ministries and for supporting in, in faith, in sacrifice and obedience, what God's called us to be and to do. And we're walking in plowman overtaking reaper in new ways. As the old preacher said, believe you me. So uh, be in prayer. We need wisdom for the theater. We Be in prayer. We're looking forward to the seminar here. Be in prayer that um, God will direct you and keep on, keep on changing us into what his image is. God bless. Thanks for joining. And goodbye.